Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fuck Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Maria Luis Carra. Cue in the applause. What is up, Fucked Up Fam? It's your girl. You already know the drill, but if you don't, here it goes. That show, Fuck Me Up, is a podcast where I talk about TV shows that fuck me up. Uh, Pretty self-explanatory. This season, I'm covering Sharp Objects, which can be found in HBO. Um, If this is the first time you're listening to me, go back uh, to the beginning of Season 10, Episode 1, because I do one episode of the tv show per episode of the podcast does that make sense so right now i'm covering episode six of sharp objects so if you start listening right now you're gonna be a bit confused or you're not it doesn't matter we're gonna have a great time fucking regardless oh and i curse a lot uh if you have a problem with that come to the podcast try to convert me into not cursing i think it's just part of my personality at this point Uh, Let's get started with some personal update. Okay. Actually, just for all my listeners, you know how I've been like super down lately? Like, (laughs) that's not funny. That's so funny. Um, I had been feeling so weird, like so emotional, so sad, so low energy. Everything made me cry. I was getting triggered by things that I personally thought no longer bothered me or I had moved past. And at some point I was like, something is wrong. Something is clearly wrong because this is not who I am, you know? And I I was starting to think and I was like, dude, what if somebody did like a curse on me? Okay, yes, I'm superstitious. I believe in all this shit. I believe in ghosts. I believe on like my leojo and stuff like that. And I was like, what if someone did fucking mal de ojo on me and I just need a cleanse to like cut the cord between someone's like ill will towards me bear with me bear with me and I was like okay I need to do it ASA fucking P I don't know anyone that does that does limpias in San Diego um but I just needed to do it immediately so what did I do this bitch looked up a tiktok video of how to do how to do olympia obviously i picked someone that looked like they're you know latino (laughs) because i'm like i am not trusting any white looking bitch that's trying to teach me how to do olympia you know like no that's not it and basically i just i just did it on myself i said a little prayer because i just felt like i needed some protection um i'm not like super religious but i do pray sometimes um i don't know to who who's out there who's out there right now just <laughs> imagine someone responds um i did a little prayer i rubbed the egg all over my body i cracked it into a glass of water and then i like interpret it so the video that i watched said that you're not supposed to look at it from the top so you're supposed to look at it from the side and it kind of gives you like how to read the egg dropping and mine there was like some like just one like mild line coming up from the top so that means that someone like put a curse or a hex on me but it was tiny so I don't know if it was just like really weak um and then the other part of the video showed you like oh you know the limp the limpia worked if you see little bubbles in your water like in your egg and I did see little bubbles so I was just like oh my god it worked it worked and afterwards 
what you're supposed to do and like obviously different people have different like rituals and stuff like that you're supposed to add salt inside the the glass of water with your egg and then i saw another video where they added pepper flakes and it's kind of just like to make sure that the curse or like the ill will or like the maleojo doesn't come back to you i did that and then i flushed it down the toilet and like maybe it's all mental fucked up fam maybe it's just like all in my head and maybe it's uh it's mental illness ain't it Ash? <laughs> but i feel like this weight has been lifted from me and like i said like i wasn't sure if it like i was just being hormonal or like what was happening but i'm feeling better i don't feel down i have more energy i feel like First of all, whoever's wishing ill will on me, I hope it returns to you, like, three times. Like, bitch, I don't fuck around. Like, I'm sorry. You know how they say, like, no, you shouldn't wish ill will on anyone. Bitch, if you're coming for me, I'm coming for you back. <laughs> like, whoever the fuck you are, you do not fuck with my peace and my tranquility. It's something that I cherish so much. Like... I've always said that I need a peaceful home and a peaceful work environment. If any of those are out of out of balance, uh, such a Libra response. If any, like, my home or my work is out of balance, I'm going to be fucking miserable. So for you to wish ill will upon me, oof. I don't know. I'm just so heavenly protected. Like, my ancestors whoever's out there like protecting me my guides like I'm a very spiritual person and I'm so grateful that I just had the courage to do that limpia on myself like maybe I did it wrong I don't know maybe again maybe it's all mental like I'm weighing all my options here but I do feel so much fucking better I feel really good and I feel like things are gonna work out in my favor so yeah I just wanted to share that with you if you're feeling a little odd if something is not adding up, because that's what happened. And you know what? Like, I have a theory. I have a theory about who did it to me or how it might have come upon me. Because y'all know me. I don't fuck with anyone. I stay on my lane. I want everyone to be happy, to have peace and tranquility. So I don't bother anyone. But I was put in a position where I had to defend someone recently and maybe, like, from, like I don't know who I'm fucking with I don't know who that other person has in her corner so I'm just like hmm interesting interesting but yeah um let's move on to our next update so speaking of doing Olympia and feeling much better um I'm having a friend filled weekend and it started well it's technically started Wednesday we had like a like a work summer appreciation picnic it was like all right like i just like really like my coworkers, so it's always like a fun time when i'm with them and again going back to having a good work environment that is so important to me and to have um i think there's like studies that been that have been done that say that having friends or having like a best friend at work is so important just for like building community aspects having someone that you can trust at work is so fucking important and i'm so like grateful that i have multiple people that i can trust and i have like you know just like 
people that I met at work that have become so close to me and they've become like my bestest friends. I am so lucky. Everything works out in my favor. Yes. Am I manifesting while recording this podcast? Absolutely. And you listening to this is you manifesting as well. Wow. Our power, our shared psychosis. Fucked up. <laughs> it's working. Okay. Let's repeat it. I'm so lucky. Your turn. And everything works out in my favor. Your turn. One more time. I'm so lucky. And everything works out in my favor. Oh, I love this. Yes, it does. And I'm also financially abundant. Yes, we are. Yes, we fucking are. I love this. We should do like more manifestations. Don't y'all think? I'm like talking to y'all like I expect you to respond. Okay. Fucked up fam. I've been thinking that I haven't had a guest in a while. So if you want to be a guest for this season, hit up my line. Let's talk. Let's have a little conversation. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah, I feel like whoever wants to come on, just chit chat with me. Talk about whatever you want. Talk about TV shows that fucked you up. Like, obviously, we're going to have an amazing discussion because it's me. And I can talk out of my ass for days. And we're going to have a great time. I'm going to make you laugh. You're going to make me laugh. I might kiss you. Just kidding. Wait. Now I know why they say that Libras are flirts. But yeah, so Wednesday we had that work thing. Thursday, Joanne, my work bestie, invited me to her house for dinner. Um, And she showed me her chicken coop. So she built a chicken coop. Like, People are out here having these life skills that I could never, ever fucking dream of having. She built, like her and her husband and some of their friends, like built a chicken coop in her backyard. That's insane to me. She's getting chicken eggs now. Imagine never having to buy chickens for the rest of your fucking life. That's amazing to me. Like, I love eggs so much. Like, I feel bad for the chickens. Well, not that much. Well... (laughs) Peter, if you're listening uh joke absolute joke um but yeah she introduced me to her new puppy uh george and yeah like so wednesday thursday friday i hung out with a friend from back home that i hadn't seen in a while alexa shout out to alexa it was really fun like we just had dinner and like some drinks it was really casual the food was good the conversation we were just gossiping we were reminiscing like i always talk about how i don't have to see you every single fucking day of my life i don't have to talk to you every single day that's not who i am there are not enough hours in a day for me to have time to check in with all of my friends and and it's not that i have a lot of friends i don't my circle is small but we all bad bitches I can't, I literally, literally cannot, but it's always nice when I get to catch up with a friend, and she's a childhood friend, like, we were just talking about, and we literally grew up together, because I played basketball, she played basketball too, we just had a great time catching up, it was so lovely, I hadn't had, like, a friend-filled weekend in a while, and I really needed it. And today, I might see Kelly Bear. She invited me to, like, an event. And then tomorrow, I'm seeing Terry and Maka. And I'm just so excited to catch up with them. Like, y'all don't understand. Or maybe you do. 
having fulfilling friendships, and I know I have talked about this before, but I just feel the need to reiterate it. Having fulfilling friendships is so important, fucked up fam. It's so important that you surround yourself with good people that genuinely want the best for you and genuinely want to see you succeed and want you to be happy. I was talking to a friend recently and she let me know that she doesn't think her brother's friends are like good people. And she's like worried about him. She's like genuinely worried because she's like, oh, in a moment of like when you really need people to show up for you, they're never going to show up for him. And I don't know how to explain that to him, that they're just like his party friends. And I'm just like, like having party friends is fine. Like sometimes you do need to go out and have fun and just like drink and it's fine to have that community. But it's also important that you separate yourself from those people if they're not going to be your genuine real friends and show up for when it really matters. I'm really passionate about this. Like I'm gesturing right now. Sometimes I wish I had video, but I literally look like shit right now. <laughs> so no, my narcissistic ass is not going to allow someone to take video of me while I look like shit I'm not gonna put on makeup to record a podcast a podcast is supposed to be listened to listened to even though I do know that people that have video get more views but or like more listens but like it doesn't add up it ain't adding up (laughs) um I also so I feel like I mostly talk about being a playwright but my first love was always poetry and I know I've read some of my poems before or maybe like just one in like previous seasons or whatever. But I submitted some of my poems for like competitions where they're going to be, they could be part of like a book or be like featured in a magazine. So I'm excited. I, I submitted some of like my like recent, but most like strongest work. You know, when I was feeling like shit, I went back and read some of my poetry and I was just like bursted out crying with some of my poems. And I was like, damn, when I wrote this, I was, your girly was going through it. Your girly was depressed, shit, and nobody knew. One thing about me, I'm going to be sad, and you're never going to know. I could be going fucking through it, and you're never going to know because I would never bother you with my sadness. And I know that's bad. I'm working through it. I'm self-aware. I know I have issues. I, like, so at work, they offer, like, maybe, like, 10 sessions of free therapy, and I'm like seriously considering like looking into that um because yeah even though I'm doing better I feel like I need to find better coping mechanisms and I'm horrible like I know right now you would you're gonna think oh my god she's such a good communicator no when it comes to like real shit I'm so bad at communicating what I feel what I want I like shut down I can't talk about it and I talked about it with Dan uh, who used to host the Cinema Fools podcast um, when I was part of his art exhibit, Family Ties, Lazos Familiares, and I had two of my poems were part of his art exhibit. And we talked about it, and he's like, as artists, because he's also like an artist, um, we portray so much of our emotions through our work that when it comes like down to having like a conversation, it's really hard sometimes to like speak our thoughts and our feelings at the moment because with our work we have time to think about it before we create or what we have in mind and we also have the chance to go back and fix it and make edits and but once we say something out loud we can never take it back so it's just it's just really rewarding 
knowing that there are people out there that feel the exact same way as me. Shout out to Dan. Shout out to Dan and Roxy, his girlfriend and my friend. They're amazing. I love them. Um, I hope to see them soon. What else was I going to say? So, yeah, I submitted some of my poems. I'm hoping to hear back from at least one of the submissions. I think I did, like, two submissions. Um, But, yeah, I'm really excited. Also, in another creative endeavor, um, there's going to be a virtual reading of my play, Ashes Down the Dray. I submitted it for, like, a competition. It was, like, it's called Read and Rant, the competition name, and it's hosted by, like, a female or like yeah I believe is it a female-led like playwriting group or like organization I don't know I don't know much about it I'm having a meeting this next Monday with the person that's going to be like my drama dramaturg just to like have a conversation about it and I think the reading might be before I this like episode gets published but I mean I'll probably post about it in my social media um so keep an eye out for well no that's in the past once you hear this we're in the time machine, fuck the fam, we're in the time machine, but I'm really excited about that. Ashes Down the Drain was my play that got a play reading in Boston, and the Boston reading was, it was beautiful. The Boston reading of Ashes Down the Drain, like, now that was fucking rewarding. That, that experience was, ah, it just feel like, What's the word that I'm looking for? Fills? Yeah, it fills my heart with so much warmth and so much joy. So I'm excited to see what, um, you know, the Read and Rant group does with my play. I think uh, I don't have any more personal updates. Pop culture, aliens are real and nobody gives a fuck. I mean, there's so many other things going on in the world. Like, do you really expect me to care about that? Like, if they're coming for my ass, they're coming for my ass and there's nothing I could do about it. Like, but... I heard that there's a possibility that the aliens are like the closer things to human beings. So they might be a little hot. So they're opening up the dating pool, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, holy fucking shit. It's tough out here for a girly pop. It's tough. It's like tough out here for a single gal. Because first of all, you never know who you're really dating. Uh, one of my friends wanted me to set me up with one of their friends and then it turns out their friends was a horrible person so i'm so glad that never happened i'm so fucking glad um but yeah aliens adding more people to the dating pool i don't know what type of mm, they're swinging but <laughs> i'm so sorry i don't know why i'm like this fucked up well i mean i do know it's called no i don't think that's the word also i like I'm sorry, I scratched my nails against, like, my mic. So if you heard that and you cringed, I'm so sorry. Uh, podcast reminders. So just, you know, remember to like the or, like, to give the podcast a five-star review. Um, you know, I'm now part of Pods Network, and they recently launched. So before, like, I joined before they launched, and that's when they offered me, like, three months of free, you know, to be – do not have to pay to be part of the pods network um but it's really like made and like it's really been reflected in my number so again if you're a new listener hi i love you and if i ever meet you in real life i might give you a kiss in the mouth but thank you pods network i love y'all and again any thoughts anything you want to share with me 
leave me a voice message, a little voice memo. Um, I'll drop the link in the description for the episode and you could just, you know, have a little conversation with yourself the same way that I have a little conversation with myself every time I record an episode. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to recommendations corner. I, this is going to be short, but I started watch, watching this full season two. Holy fucking shit. The writing iconic amazing as a writer myself you know me and like i'm mexican too so it's it's been a lot of fun season two of this fool was i think i finished it already or do i need one more episode i don't know it was a lot of fun just like that and well and just like that the sex in the city reboot season two i think i finished that i think yesterday i watched the last episode of the season Aiden is back, baby. So if you know nothing about Sex and the City, Carrie picked Mr. Big. Uh, Mr. Big got killed off. Well, so Carrie picked Mr. Big or Big in Sex and the City. And just like that, Mr. Big got killed off because it turns out, uh, turns out he's a part of the Me Too problem. So it turns out he's a sexual harasser and he makes women feel uncomfortable. So fired killed off in the show and now Aiden who she should have ended up with is back and better than ever and looking scrumptious the things I would let the man do to me I mean it's fine um there was something that Carrie said in um you know in in the episode she's she like turns to Miranda and she's like Miranda I've been contemplating like ever since I've been back with Aiden like everything makes sense i've been like the happiest that i've ever been i've been having like so many orgasms and i'm like thinking did i make a mistake in picking big over aiden and i'm like fuck dude we've all been there we've all picked big over aiden in whatever scenarios in our lives and i'm just like i've been thinking about that recently like Damn, I really know how to pick them. Sarcasm because I really don't. I really don't fucking know how to pick them. And I'm like, like, if I had done something differently in my life, like, what would I or who who would I even be right now? Like, so many things to think about. But yeah, you know, sometimes people make mistakes. But if it's meant, if if that's meant to be for you, that person's gonna come back. It could take years, but they're going to come back. So, uh, babies, um, well, not babies, um, daddy, no, not daddy. Um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Hi, uh, to all the men that I didn't pick in the past and I should have picked. Hi, I'm sorry. Come back. (laughs) Just kidding. If you have a family, please don't come back. Please stay. If you cost me mental instability, please stay in the past. Do not come back. Thank you very much. I approve this message. All right. It's been a long intro. I thought it was going to be a short intro. It was not a short intro. But let's get started with today's episode. All right. Episode six of Sharp Objects is called Cherry. (laughs) The episode opens up with Camille when she was looking for Emma and we like when Emma like left Calhoun Day like running so out in the woods and we see that the girl that she saw at like in the distance was not Emma 
but Marion. And Camille, like, obviously follows after her. And then the second time when she thinks she sees Emma again, or we think that she saw Emma again, she actually saw Alice um, also out in the woods. Oh, all the ghosts that haunt her out and about. And then we see when she finds Emma, and as she hugs her, it changes to Adora hugging Camille after she reveals that she has never loved her because she's so much like her father. And Adora is like, bless you for finding her, referring to Emma as they hug. Cut to Camille waking up next to Detective Willis as she remembers that her, she's like, as she recalls that her mom told her that she never loved her. <laughs> Trauma, am I right? Uh, so Camille fully dressed, sits up in bed and traces the outline of Willis's body, which looks like an ancient sculpture because he's nude. And we see his ass and mwah, chef's kiss. And Camille gets up from bed and she pours herself some water. And Willis is like, good morning. And he asks if she wants coffee. And she tells him that she has to get going because she has a busy day. And he's like, what about tonight? And Camille's like, um, well, I have plans. Unless you want to hang out with a bunch of ex-cheerleaders. And if you want to see what I would have turned out to be if I had stayed in Wind Gap. Willis notices that she's fully clothed, and he he's like, did you sleep in your clothes? And he tells her that he has, like, a 14-year-old flannel if he like if she needed it. And Camille's like, it sounds like you were halfway to what you wanted to ask me. And he tells her that it wasn't a question but an offer, and he smiles like this devilish grin, and it is super fucking hot. I would let this man do unspeakable things to me, fully nude. <laughs> um, and Camille leans in for a kiss and she tells him that he's going to have to do better than a cup of coffee and a 14-year-old flannel as she walks out of there. Then it cuts, it cuts to Vickery being woken up by his alarm and then his wife, like, his wife nudging him awake. And it seems like he has, like, the very same routine every single day because, like, all the things that we had previously previously seen are are happening happening are happening and jocelyn like his wife is like oh be safe out there today as he walks out just like the previous episode then we see alan waking up in bed and oh my fucking god alan adora's husband do you know how they have separate bedrooms well guess what he sleeps in a pull-out bed and he has a bunch of porno magazines like, right by his bed in the floor. What? Like, my question is, isn't this man rich? Isn't this family rich? Like, why does he have a pull-out bed? Like, why a couch? Why not have a normal bed? Like, I'm so confused. Because, like, having separate rooms when you're married is one thing. But why is Adora's bedroom amazing? And then Alan's bedroom, basically a room that was not supposed to be a room. Um, and even the lighting in Alan's, roo Alan's room looks, like, fucking depressing. Then it cuts to Adora in bed. And she's woken up by her landline uh, ringing. And she answers it. And she's like, what is it? And then she tells the person on the other line, don't do a, a thing till I get there. Adora is now downstairs and she's asking Camille, who is eating pie, if she has seen Alan. And Camille's like, no, but do you need a ride? And Adora is like, no, thank you. I just need to do a quick trip to the pharmacy. And Camille tells her that she doesn't mind because she needs to pick up some cream either way. And Adora's like, for your scars? And Camille's like, no, for my hands. <laughs> Adora tells her that she can pick up the cream. Uh, we call it lotion. Well, I used to call it cream because in Spanish it translates to crema, but... Now I call it lotion. 
Uh, she's like, oh, I'll pick up the cr- the cream for you. You just finish your breakfast. And she's like, it's like the first time I've, I've seen you eat since you got here. And Adora just stares at her daughter. And Camille's like, what? And Adora responds, you tell me. And then Adora walks away as she's yelling out for Alan. Does Adora know that Camille got some dick? Like, like what was that little stare for? Like, she's just like, mm, you're hungry. You got some last night. <laughs> So flashback um, to Camille trying on her cheerleader uniform when she was like young and she stands by the door to the kitchen kind of like striking a pose and she asks, what do you think? And Marion responds, Millie, you're beautiful. It's so sweet. Ah! And like Camille's nickname being Millie. That makes sense. And Marion asks Adora, mama, couldn't you take a bite out of her? And Adora, and Adora responds in a monotone voice like a plump, juicy cherry. And Camille got this flashback because she was she's like eating cherry pie at that moment and the flashback ruins her appetite and then she goes over to gala uh the maid who's washing dishes and she hugs her from behind and she whispers thank you and gala acknowledges the moment and it's super tender camille goes out to up to amma's room and she sees that she's getting her roller skates on and her stuff ready and camille wants to know where she's going and amma tells her that she's gonna go hang out um, and we see that she has a joint tugged behind her ear. Camille tells Emma that she should not be giving advice on getting loaded, but that after yesterday, she should take it easy. And Emma tells her how she'll be fine and that it was just a few scratches. Camille tells her that she should put something in her cuts. And Emma shows her some of her scars in her arms. And she's like, if I connect these two, I can make a C for Camille. Camille is obviously upset and she sternly tells her how it's not funny and Amma's like oh I wasn't being serious and Camille says to never do anything like that and Amma tells her that she won't. Uh, Amma thanks Camille for coming for her the night before like like finding her at the shed and Amma reveals that she has funny ideas sometimes. So cut to Willis driving around and he passes by where Natalie Keene's body was found and he sees Jackie O'Neill changing the old flowers and putting up fresh ones. And Willis yells out from his car, paying your respects? That's good for you. No, that's good of you. And Jackie responds, it offsets the bad I do. It's a losing battle, but it helps me sleep as she begins to walk towards uh, towards Willis's car. She tells Willis that she thinks a a young child prefers daisies and how Adora is all about her roses, but that she thinks daisies are similar to the flowers that that children draw and how she thinks it's sweet. Willis asks Jackie if he can ask her something and how, and he's like, oh, when me and Adora were alone, Adora mentioned how Camille had a recent episode and Jackie's like, "Mm, interesting. And she tells him that she's not allowed to talk about people's touchy areas. And now, um, and she's like, not when I'm sober anyway. She tell, She's like, oh, you're getting warmer, detective. And how it is not just because he's. it is hotter than a whore in church today. And then she walks away to, to her car as she stares at him and Willis drives off. We see that Willis calls dispatch and he says how he needs to run admittance records for hospitals. And when dispatch asks for the name, he responds, Camille Preaker. And then he parks in front of um where where did I of the barber shop and gets off. As soon as he's out of his car, he gets a call from Vickery and Willis just responds that he's on his way and he gets back into his car and rushes out of there. And we see that and then it cuts to a girl's spike being pulled out of a lagoon, and the chief and Adora are already there as uh, Willis and Bob Nash are getting there. 
and Willis wants to know who found the bike, and Adora lets him know that it was one of her workers, and she tells Bob that she's sorry that they dragged him down there, and Willis is asking Bob if the bike belonged to Ann Nash, his daughter. Bob says that he can't know for sure, um, and honestly, you can't blame him. The, the bike is covered in mud, and someone suggests hosing it down. I think it's Vickery, I think, but Willis does not agree because they could still get a print off of it, and Vickery asks Bob if he could identify it by the seat, and Bob mentions how the seed had it was white with flowers, and Willis gets a handkerchief, a handkerchief, and he wipes the seat, and under the mud, we can see that it's a white seed with flowers. Bob begins to sob, and Adora goes up to him, and she says how sorry she is as she comforts him, and Willis says how they're going to need the employment records of everyone who has worked uh, at Preaker Farms for the last five years. It then cuts to Ashley Green's house, and we see Amma's there with Jodes and her other friend hanging by the pool. And John King comes out of, of like the house where he stays with Ashley, and um, he's shirtless, wearing swim trunks. Swim trunks, and Amma seductively asks why he doesn't go over to rub her down, like with sunscreen. And John ignores her, and Amma asks where Ashley is, and John is like cheerily in practice. And and then Amma asks at what time Ashley gets home, and John is like, why? And Amma responds, because there's you, me, and an empty carriage house, And as she rubs sunscreen on herself. Cut to Camille getting to the greenhouse, and she hears music, and she goes straight to the backyard, and she hears Amma ask John who she reminds him of, uh, and John King. So John King calls Amma a bad little girl who thinks that she's a lot cuter than what she, eat, what she is, and Amma tells him that she should stop watching her then because he knows that Ashley gets jealous. And John Keane tells her that he likes to keep on her and to just know that he always has an eye on her. And Amma's like, you sure you sure do now. And John Keane tells Amma that one of these days, it will be her turn soon. Camille walks in uh, from where she was standing and she asks if everything's okay. And John Keane is like, not really. My mama says you take your problems with you wherever you go. And Camille's like, sounds about right. <laughs> we love a self-aware queen. Emma is in the pool now, and she tells John Keane how there are places that he can go for help, and maybe the voices in his head could talk to somebody because they don't want more little girls showing up without their teeth. Camille calls Anna's Emma's attention. She's like, Emma. And uh, right as Ashley gets there, she's saying how she's sorry for keeping her waiting, and she says hi to the girls and tells her sister how their mama wants her to call her, and Ashley walks Camille into her little house, and she asks John to go get them some lemonade from, like, the main house. And he just glares at Emma as he walks past the pool. Inside the house, Ashley is getting snacks for them, like the perfect southern wife-to-be and uh, that she is. And she tells Camille that she could, she's like, you could have been a model. And Camille tells her how she highly doubts that. But Ashley assures her that she could have been. And she reveals how she always wanted to be like her when she was growing up. And, and she's like, you're a legend in Wind Gap. And Camille tells Ashley how there are far better women to aspire to be. And Ashley lets her know not in Wind Gap and how she used to think of Camille in a huge mansion with an investor banker husband. And Camille says how that sounds uh, nice. And she asks Ashley what she can tell her about the girls. And Ashley gets the hint that Camille is done with the chit chat and talking about herself. And Ashley collects herself as she as if she was about to give an audition and she calls the girls darling young girls very well behaved sweet little things 
and how it's it's like God plucked the very best girls to take to Wingamp to plant in heaven for his own. So like, obviously, my girl Camille calls bullshit and she stops her recorder and Ashley asks why she did that. And Camille tells her that she's just wasting her, ta- her time. And Ashley says how she just wants to, she wanted to protect John. And Camille asks why she thinks that he needs protection. And Ashley is being honest now. And she says, because it would make him popular. Camille turns her recorder back on. And then John comes in with the lemonades. And Ashley thanks him as he walks back outside. Camille um, so is looking at the letters in Ashley's cheerleading uniform. And she asks her if she... So uh, Ashley asks Camille if she ever misses cheerleading. And it cuts to a flashback. Uh, and Camille is at cheerleading practice. And she bends over and begins to stretch as she says, ah, oh, cramps. And another cheerleader asks, that time of the month? And young Camille responds, calves, bitch. <laughs> the only black cheerleader there starts helping Camille by icing her, cal- her calves. And then the blonde bitch cheerleader tells her, when you're done with her, I call next. And Camille tells her to fuck off as the other cheerleaders laugh. And then Camille tells the black cheerleader, Becca, that she's fine. And then Camille and Becca begin to walk away. And the bitch cheerleader is like, wow, you sure it was in the other cramps? As they stare at Camille's behind as she walks away from them. Camille's phone buzzing brings her back to present day. And it's Detective Willis. But she has him as Richard in her phone. And Willis is calling to ask what she thinks about pasta and wine at his place. And Camille tells him how that that's progress from this morning. Willis tells her how uh, tells her to just tell him when and Camille asks if he's really going to cook for her and he tells her yes and how he will be cooking in his fancy kitchen as long as she doesn't mind eating dinner in bed and Camille calls it pretty convenient of him (laughs) Willis tells Camille guess what we found today because of your mom and then it uh, cuts to uh what did I, Camille, so it cuts to Camille driving into her driveway as Adora and Alan sit in the porch, and Adora says, even the lawn isn't safe with her, because Camille parked in the grass, and Alan asks if she should ask Camille to move it, and Adora's like, why cause the scene? Camille rushes to the front of the house, and Adora tells her how she left her hand cream in her room, and Camille is surprised that she even got it, because she lied about where she was going to, And obviously, Camille is upset because Adora didn't tell her, you know, that they found the bike. And Adora responds that it was a business matter that did not concern her. And Camille is like, oh, the first vital evidence found for the death of two little girls. And you don't think it would concern me? Alan tries to tell Camille how Adora would like her to move her car. (laughs) And Camille interrupts him interrupts Alan and begins asking Adora all these questions about what happened and Adora reminds Camille that she is her mother and not one of her sources and how she does and how what did I write here she does not even know why she's mad because she still found out about it and Camille just goes inside the house and Adora says to Alan how Camille has outstayed her welcome Alan reminds her that she has been more more than tolerant and Adora thanks him and he's she's like oh you should let Camille know how you feel and Alan just turns to look at Adora like how I feel but he doesn't argue and he doesn't say anything. Cut to Willis getting to the rehab center where Camille was at uh, in St. Louis and he tells the front desk nurse that he has an appointment with the doctor and she asks for his name and uh, then it cuts to Willis telling the doctor that he needs to get a handle on the personality types of the people that end up in that rehab 
in that rehab center because he thinks that it will help him with the case that he's currently investigating. Sure, sure, Detective Willis. And the doctor tells him that there's not one specific type that they see there and how most of their patients are experiencing psychological problems such as depression, psychosis, bipolar disorders, and how some of them are just trying to distract themselves from painful feelings that were caused by trauma or stress. Willis comments on how that is a pretty wide net of personalities, but the doctor tells him that there's nothing uniform about his patients and how most of the patients come to them when they're in crisis and how they can be impulsive and aggressive, but that they're not dangerous and how they usually take it out on themselves instead of other people. We then see Camille in bed listening to the recording of her conversation with Ashley, uh, and she's asking her if she thinks that the key killer is doing what he's doing for popularity and Ashley responds what other reason is there Camille's phone buzzes and she answers it and it's Frank and he wants to know what her next story is and she tells him about the break in the case and finding the bicycle in the lagoon and Frank is like oh were you there and Camille explains that her mother was and she asks she, she's like Frank what does the book of journalism say about having family members as your sources and Frank says that those are the ones you call anonymous sources. <laughs> Camille speculates that either the person who hit the bike is stupid for trying to hide it in a shallow lagoon or that they're trying to frame someone. Frank asks if she thinks it's someone from Wind Gap and Camille tells him that everyone thinks a man is behind it and how no one is looking at the women. And Frank tells her how the perp being a woman doesn't fit the profile because women don't kill in violent ways. And Camille adds until they do. And Frank is like, you're right, until they do. Camille here, Frank's talking to Eileen in the background and she asks why he isn't at the office. And he just makes a joke about how the old ball and chain has got him tied to the bed because that's just how good he is in bed. And Eileen like takes the phone away from Frank and she tells Camille, she's like, hi, sweetie. I, I just wanted to tell you that I've been worried about you. And she wants to know how Camille is doing. And Camille just tells her that she's looking forward to go home, which is, which is weird because she's currently in her child, in the, in her childhood like home in the room where she grew up in and Eileen asks if the case is closing in around her and Camille is like that's a nice way to put it Eileen tells Camille well sometimes the Lord offers you the very thing you need as Camille is looking at a sketch in her notebook of an ear and it has a, a piece missing and she has bite written under like the drawing of the ear with like a piece missing Camille goes outside and tells Alan how she's going to move the car off the, la the lawn now. And Alan tells her how that can wait. And he asks her to please come have a seat with him. Camille reluctantly walks over and obviously she doesn't sit. She just like lingers. And Alan mentions how they haven't talked in a while. And Alan is like, listen, you're making your mother ill. And I'm going to have to ask you to leave if these conditions don't improve. <laughs> Camille wants clarification and she she's like, how am I making my mother ill? And, the uh, and Alan comments on how she keeps on bringing up the details of the case around her mother. And Camille assures Alan that she has not been doing anything of that sort. And Alan is like, come on, Camille. I know how jealous you've always been of anyone else's well-being. And Camille is like, and to think that I used to regret that we didn't communicate more. And Alan chuckles and says how there's some, how that is something Hoya or Joya 
Camille's grandmother would have said and how she really is just like her grandmother and that she would stand ground over their house like a witch and the only time she ever smiled was when Camille refused to nurse from Medora. So we're seeing a, a continued a generational trauma, you know, Adora not getting along with her mother, Joya, and then Camille not getting along with Adora. Camille tells Alan how their conversation has been really nice and she thanks him sarcastically as she begins to walk away. And Alan tells Camille how Adora has had a hard life and Camille laughs out loud. And Alan explains that Joya would come into Adora's room in the middle of the night and she would pinch her and how she said and how Joya would like explain herself and saying that she was worried that Adora would die in her sleep and how he thinks that Joya just liked to hurt people. Camille is like, oh, you made your point. But Alan continues and says how he thinks that if Camille knew these things about her mother, she would be kinder to her. And Camille tells him that she will be leaving as soon as she can as she sees a car get there for her. And Alan agrees how that will be a good idea. Camille gets in the car and the woman that picked her up asks her what that was all about. So she saw a little bit of the interaction. And Camille is like, you know, family. The woman that picks her up has a... a bourbon ready for Camille as soon as she sits down and she begins to gossip on all of their friends throughout the whole ride and Camille does not make any comments or remarks and this woman is just gossiping by herself the whole car right there they pull up in front of a house and the woman tells uh she's like oh finish your drink because for an expensive house the host pours cheap liquor and she tells Camille how she's so excited that she's there and how they're gonna have so much fun and Camille just looks like really over like bitch I'm not gonna have fun <laughs> inside the house Camille is pouring herself and Becca so Becca is also there as an adult the black cheerleader from earlier a drink as the other women as the other women sob as they're watching beaches which I think is like so a movie, so it's a 1998 uh, movie about two young girls, Cece and Hillary, who meet each other whilst they're both on holiday at the same resort. So I don't know, they like, I think it's like a ritual. They watch it every year after Calhoun Day and they just cry. I mean, sounds fun, but not really. <laughs> so cut to Willis, Detective Willis, getting to censors the bar and he goes up to the bar and Jackie O'Neill is there and she tells Willis, what is, it, what is this I hear about you and Miss Prieger? And Willis is like, this town, don't you people have anything better to do? And both the bartender and Jackie are like, nope. <laughs> and Willis is like, don't believe everything you hear. And Jackie tells him that he ought to take his own advice. Back at the movie party, Gretchen, one of the women, starts crying because she went back to work uh, because she thought she needed a purpose in life. And then she's like, oh, I don't like this. And then another woman is also crying as well because her husband doesn't want to have any more kids because he says that four is enough. Bitch, four is enough. Why do you need a fifth kid? Like, I don't get it. And Becca just whispers to Camille that this sh that this type of shit happens every single week. And then both Becca and Camille go outside for a smoke. So they sneak outside. Outside, Becca tells Camille that she had no idea her life was so miserable until she started coming out to Katie's get-togethers. And Camille says that being conflicted means that you can live a shallow life without copying to being a shallow person. So I didn't really understand that line, and I'm going to reread it. Camille says that being conflicted 
means that you can live a shallow life without copying to being a shallow person. So, and I looked it up in chat GPT because I can, and because why not? Let's use AI. So this is what chat GPT said. The sentence seems to imply that internal conflicts can lead people to behave in ways that may contradict their true values or principles, resulting in a superficial or shallow way of living. However, they may still avoid accepting or labeling themselves as shallow, perhaps because they're aware of their inner conflict conflicts and complexities that influence their actions. It's important to remember that human behavior and motivations are multifaceted and people may act in ways that are not entirely representative of their core selves due to various internal struggles and external circumstances. This sentence highlights the potential dissonance between how one lives and how they perceive themselves. I should have asked ChatGPT to make this into like dumber terms. Like, can you translate what this sentence means uh, for dummies? <laughs> but I kind of get like, I not, no, not kind of. I get the gist of the sentence now. So Becca tells her that it sounds about right and how at the end of the day, they are who they were in high school as the other ladies joined them outside and how back then she set the bar low for herself, but that there was nowhere to go but up. Katie comes out, so she's like the main queen bitch, uh, queen bee bitch. Katie tells them how she's glad that they're having such a great time with everything going on around them. And they start talking about how it is horrible that someone is out there hurting little girls and how Camille probably does. She's like, oh, you probably don't really understand Camille because you don't have children. And Camille lets them know that she feels for those little girls. And the conversation turns to how a woman, a woman isn't whole until she has experienced motherhood. Mother, motherhood, which I personally think is bullshit. Camille, then like it cuts to Camille inside, like as she's going to the restroom and she runs into Katie's husband, which is Mr. Lacey, like the, like the teacher that put up the Kahunde presentation. And he basically tells her that he's glad that she's there because he wanted to apologize. And Camille is like, for what? And he says, for what we did to you on that day. And he pulls the whole I have daughters now and I'm disgusted card and Camille interrupts him. And she's like that a bunch of football players would pull a train on them after the big game. Camille continues. As far as I can recall, you couldn't even get it up. So if you're apologizing for that and he's just like, Hey, Camille tells them to forget about it and how she has. And Lacey says how that day has haunted him. And Camille ends the conversation with looks like we both got fucked as she walks away towards Becca. We're back at the bar and my girl Jackie is drunk out of her mind and she's talking about her perky titties, I mean same, and she reaches over for Willis's gun and she's like, is this loaded? And Willis moves her hand away from the, from the gun and Jackie's like, I've had my, my hand on your thigh for the past 15 minutes and this, this isn't turning out how I had hoped for it. And she just asked the detective to like, just ask what you want to know. And he's like, he, he wants to know about Camille and why she was in rehab. And he's like, I know she was hurting herself, but what I'm asking is why. Jackie tells him that she doesn't know and how she's pretty fond of Camille and how she's a sensitive, special, and beautiful girl. And she, she has now not been the same after Marion died. And Willis wants to know about how she died. And Jackie calls Marion a sickly, sickly child. And Detective Willis wants to know if there was an autopsy and Jackie scoffs and says how Adora would have never let anyone carve up her little girl. 
Willis mentions how carve, the word carve, is an interesting choice to use. And Jackie tells him to stop bullshitting her. And she asks what he knows. And Willis tells her how Camille checked herself out of rehab early after her roommate killed herself by drinking poison. And Jackie's like, oh, that's news to me. And she's, she then says how there are dead little girls everywhere surrounding them. After the movie party, Becca is dropping off Camille at Sammy's, the gas station. And she asks if she's sure that she doesn't want to ride home. And Camille is like, why are you being so nice to me? And she's like, why wouldn't I be? And Camille reminds her how they were all bitches to her in high school. And she reiterates, bitches. And Becca stays quiet and says how she was, how Camille was better than most. And Camille's like, that's not saying much. But Becca tells her that she knew that she was going through a lot and how she had just lost her sister and was taking it out on herself. And she's like, remember when I was rubbing your leg and you were bleeding? Everyone thought you had, you had your period, but I saw your cuts. It said cherry. That made sense. We were so ch shiny and luscious on the outside, but inside there was that dark, hard pit. And Camila's like, can I quote you on that? <laughs> Cut to Adora seeing that Camille's car is still in the driveway. And she goes over to Alan and she's like, you haven't handled what I asked you to do. And Alan tells her, she's like, you were always better at handling the girl's deer as he has a glass of wine. <laughs> At Sammy's, like the gas station, Camille gets her usual, you know, little vodka. And then she sees Emma and her friend get to Sammy's as they make a ruckus outside and bang on the gates. These bitches are drunk. And she's like, oh, Emma's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that she's here. They tell Camille that her friends, Nathan and Damon, are going to take her home. And Camille is reluctant, but she gets into Damon's car. She's sit sit sitting next to Nathan and he's like, you're like my mom's age, but hot. And Camille asks how old his mom is. And she asks, she's, he's like 30 something. And she asks for her name. And she's like, oh, I don't recognize her. And Damon, who's driving, tells Nathan that Camille is too cool to have hung out with his crack whore mama. And Nathan is like, fuck you, Damon, as he hits the seat. Uh, and Camille calms him down. They drive off. And Emma tells her to go with them to the party. And she also offers Camille some oxy. And she mentions how it, how Oxy makes her feel so good and happy. And then we see that they did not drop Camille off. And they're now at the party, all of them together. Emma tells Camille, she like she promises it's only going to be five minutes. And Camille's reluctant, like reluctantly gets out of the car as she follows all of these teenagers into a house with a bunch of other drunk teenagers. Camille notices that John Keen and Ashley just got to the party and the people around them are obviously eye eyeing them and that they're upset that they're there. And Ashley goes to say hi to her friends and they're like, oh, we thought you weren't coming. And Ashley tells them how that's stupid and that everyone with a brain knows that John is innocent. that They're not going to be fucking outcasts. We then see Emma and her friends dancing and Ashley goes over to them and she asks them what the fuck they're doing there, especially to Jodes. And Emma asks, she's, she asks, oh, what are you fucking doing here? She's like, I don't know how you and John have the guts to show his face around here. And Ashley's like, God, you're such a little bitch. You don't know anything, you druggy fucker. Camille tries to calm them down and then John seizes and he tries to make his way towards Ashley, but a couple of guys stop him and pull him aside. And then Emma yells out, by murders as she walks towards the DJ. And when Ashley and Camille are left alone, Ashley's like, how's my article com coming along? 
but Camille lets her know that she did not give her anything quote worthy and how she has moved on to other things. And when Ashley asks what, Camille's like, like how Natalie bit a chunk of your ear off. What? <laughs> so that was a little drawing Camille had. It was Ashley's ear. Camille wants to know why she didn't tell her. And Ashley says how she does not particularly like remembering that. And Ashley's like, if you really want to know how Natalie was, you should ask your mom. Besides, who really cares what your stupid article about your stupid article? Either way, nobody reads the newspaper anymore as she walks away with John. As Ashley is walking out of the party, a blonde bitch with a confederate, a confederate flag bodysuit says, see you later, baby killer. And Ashley loses her shit and yells out, fuck you, fuck all of you, as all of the party people cheer on. Emma comes to get Camille, and she's like, come come on, the VIP room. And Camille's over it, but she follows along. And they go inside this girl's, like, room because we can see that it's pink. And Emma asks Camille if she has ever played X roulette. And basically, so the, the premise of the game is they're passing around the X with their tongues. And whoever tongue, like, whoever's tongue the pill dissolves is the lucky winner. Also, where are all these teenagers getting all these drugs? Was this your experience? Like, around my age, maybe there was, like, weed and stuff, but, like, like oxy? Like, eggs? What? I don't know. Maybe I was just, like, a good kid. Emma comments how the pills are Damon's best shit, and so, they're the, so they'll all roll a little bit, and then Damon has the pill in his tongue, and Emma goes in to get it for him, and she, like, sexually kisses him. And then Emma goes up to Camille, and we get a flashback of when they were in the car, and, like, when they first picked up Camille at Sammy's. And we see that Emma had already sneaked Camille a pill, which I think was Oxy. And then she, and then we're back in present day at the party and Emma passes the pill to Camille through like her tongue. And honestly, Camille didn't want it. And it ew, awkward, like to do that with your sister. And then she whispers in Camille's ear to drink a lot of water. And the guys are upset that she gave it to Camille because the game had literally just started. Oh, my girl Camille is going to be tripping balls. Oxy plus X. Uh, I don't know if that's a good combination or not. Emma is like, Camille is my sister and our guest and how she could use the sunshine because she's had a pretty shitty life. And she also lets them know that they have a dead sister just like John Keane and how Camille has never dealt with it. Talk about oversharing while being on drugs. <laughs> so cut to Camille going down the stairs as uh, she has some bourbon. And she takes more shots from the shot roulette. And Emma goes up to the DJ and she changes the song to Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. Da 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 You know which song? Okay. And her and her little friends start singing. And then we see the exact moment when the drugs really hit Camille because one of the lights she stares at just gets brighter. And then she seems more relaxed and happy. So Camille starts making her way outside and Emma follows after her and Jodes wants to come out too, but Emma tells her to fuck off. And then Camille and her go chill by the car and Camille's pupils are huge and she even stops to admire some yellow flowers along the way. My girly pop is in another dimension right now. She's having the time of her fucking life. Camille then starts having flashbacks as she stares at the light posts of all the things that have happened in her life. And then we see Camille and Emma roller skating around wind gap and oh my god that probably feels amazing like imagine you're high off of drugs you're roller skating there's like 
wind like hitting your face like I feel like that would just feel amazing Camille uh what did I say and then there's roller skating past the diner and Chief Vickery sees them before he goes inside Inside the diner, uh, Willis is already there eating breakfast for dinner. A man after my own heart. I love him. And the chief sits next to him and basically lets him know. He's like, oh, Kansas City, you're going to be going home tomorrow because a Mexican hog worker identified Keen as the guy who dumped the bike in the lagoon. And Willis is like, no shit. Cut to the girlies getting to their house and they're all giggly. And then Amma makes her way to the swing and she tells Camille that she can't wait to get out of Wind Gap because she's bored to death. And she explains that that is why she acts the way she does sometimes. And she's like, sometimes, what? And, oh, she's like, that's why I seem a little off sometimes. She also asked Camille if girls liked her growing up because guys are easy because you just let them do stuff to you and they'll like you. And Camille's like, don't let them do that. Emma explains that when you let guys do it to you, you're really doing it to them because you're the one in control and then they like you and how it's not the same with girls because even though she can get the girls to do whatever she wants, they don't like her at the end of the day. And Camille tells her that it's safer to be feared than love. And Emma's like, Machiavelli. And Camille asks how she knows that and Emma says that she knows how and how sometimes you need to be mean or hurt. And Camille like genuinely asks Emma if she cuts herself and Emma avoids the question and gets up and begins to run around shouting about how happy she is. And when she is with Camille, and uh, she's like, I'm so happy when I'm with you. And Camille just shushes her because they're going to wake up Adora and Alan. Camille goes over and they begin to troll around as they hold hands. And Emma tells her how she's her soulmate. And Camille says that they're sisters. And Emma tells her that she loves her. And she asks Camille to take her back to St. Louis with her and how she can get a job after school at a boutique or at a fabric shop. And then as they continue twirling as they're holding hand, hands, Emma transforms into Marion. And then Marion transforms into Alice. And then Alice turns into Anne Nash. And then afterwards, Natalie Keene without teeth and Camille is freaking out and she lets go of Emma's hands and they both fall to the ground. Emma asks Camille if she can sleep in her room and Camille tells her no and how she's tired and that they should just sleep in their own rooms and Emma's upset as she begins to walk back into the house but Camille just gives in and she's like fine you can sleep in my room. They make their way into her their house and they climb up the stairs and we see that Marion's ghost is looking up at, up at them from the bottom of the staircase. Oh. So they go inside the room and Emma throws herself in Camille's bed and Camille plops down next to her, like stum like tummy down. So Camille's on her stomach and her back is exposed a bit and Emma raises like her shirt to expose some of her cars and Emma's whispering, do you ever feel like horrible things are going to happen to you and you can't do anything about it and you just have to wait and then the door slightly opens and Adora peeks in and she just looks disappointed as she closes the door behind her. And then all of a sudden, someone is holding Camille's hand. And when she looks up, no one is there. But when she looks at the, her mirror, she sees Marion's reflection and she tells her, it's not safe here for you. End of episode. All right, fucked up fam. Let's get started with our segments, beginning with that shit's traumatizing um camille so you know in the previous episode it was calhoun day and then it's when Emma runs off and then camille runs like goes out to look for her and then in the previous episode we see we think that camille sees Emma, 
And that's how she found her. Like, she followed her into the shed. But in this episode, it was revealed that, no, she didn't see Emma. She saw apparitions or of Marianne and of Alice, who basically led her to Emma. So I feel like, imagine, you're in a state of panic. Your mom is having a fucking meltdown over your sister running away over like after like this huge town celebration and then you go you're also in distress because that's your little sister like what happened to her there's someone out there murdering little girls and you go out into the woods and you see two people that you love that are no longer here right she sees marion her little sister who she died when she was a teenager and then alice the girl from rehab who committed suicide basically in front of her and who she's like traumatized about to this day well i feel like camille just has a lot of traumas that shit's traumatizing first of all seeing ghosts always traumatizing um i mean they were helpful ghosts so let's not let's give them some credit but nonetheless traumatizing right um this next one I, I like i talked about it during the episode and i feel like i've mentioned it before even though we hadn't gotten into this part alan's bedroom like it just doesn't add up like it's it ain't adding up sis like is this like um i don't i don't know how to describe it like why would this rich man, literally what the richest family in fucking Wind Gap, first of all, okay, he doesn't sl- sleep in the same room as his wife. I, I mean, Adora is special. We know that. But, like, why doesn't he have a nice room? Why doesn't he have a bed? First of all, why doesn't this man have a bed? Second of all, why is this man's room littered with Playboy magazines or like porn magazines? Sir, sir, we have the internet for that. You can look up your porn. Like, I'm just so confused by the character of Alan. Like, I don't know. I don't know, like, the well, obviously, I do know the din- dynamics of his relationship uh, with Adora. Adora fucking hates him. <laughs> Adora, like... I, and I don't know if it's, like, a humiliation thing. Like, does Adora get off humiliating her husband? And does Alan like that? Or does he just, like... I would like to know more. And that's why I think I should read the book. Because I'm just, like, does it delve deeper into, like, everyone's history? Like, when Alan married Adora, she already had Camille. So, a child born out of wedlock. Wedlock. So in a small city like that, I feel like you might be tainted, right? You have a child out of wedlock. You marry the first person that agrees to marry you. So I'm trying to think, like, does Adora think she's settled? And also, if Alan doesn't come from money, is that, like, I don't know. I have so many fucking questions, fucked up fam, about Alan's bedroom and just Alan's history. So I need to read the book. Um, 
Adora, what did I write here? Uh, oh, yeah, Adora sabotaging Camille. So basically, like, Adora finding out of the bike and not telling her daughter. It's so funny. It is so funny to me because Adora is like, I don't want to hear uh, what's going on with the case. Ma'am? 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 You've got the fucking chief of police just, like, coming over, giving you the deets. You're the first person they call when they find a bike. I mean, it is, like, your property where the bike was found. But still, like, how are you going to be so involved with this fucking case and then tell your daughter who is writing articles about the case that you don't want to hear the details about it? Like, what? Like, again, Adora is Camille's, like, hater. Like, she is her number one fucking hater. Um... What the fuck did I write here, dude? You're... What the fuck did I write here? Holy shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember. Okay, so when I took this these notes, I was very sick and I felt like shit, but I still needed to... Like, I took them in bed, laying down, and I wrote it down in, like, a notebook. That's why I can't read my notes, because I wrote it down, down this time. But, like... I feel this is like a little uh, invasion of privacy. The Cardi B song. Just kidding. <laughs> that was so fucking lame. Your love interest, which in this case is Willis, running like your record without your consent. Like, okay, yes, Camille is mysterious. That is not cool, dude. Okay, but I do know like nowadays there are websites when you can look into people, when you can do a little background check. I don't think... That's the same thing as this because obviously the police has more um, power to get more information about you that maybe like the online background checks wouldn't be able to get. So I feel like that is so fucked up because Camille didn't choose to share this with you, right? She didn't want to share all of this. And now, you know, because you went behind her back and and pulled records that have nothing to do with the case well in my opinion but still i feel like that's really fucked up finding out about all the fucking trauma your love interest has experienced through a like a police running a police record on her not cool dude not cool willis are you fucking hot absolutely was that not cool in an invasion of privacy absolutely as well Oh my god, this one broke my little heart. Bob Nash seeing the bike and realizing that it was his daughter. Dude! The trauma that this man has. So, like, I don't blame him for being a drunk. I really, really don't. I don't. Like, if I was in his position, I would have already, like, drank myself to death. Like, how do you cope with something like this? You don't. Right? Like, you just keep on living until you die. Right? Like, with no happiness left, with all, like, the light sucked out of your life, and you just have to continue to get up every single fucking day and just go through life. And it's super hard because, obviously, his wife ran off. I mean, I'm not saying he's a great fucking person. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Bob Nash is not great. Right? But now he has a responsibility to his other children. And it's just like, 
so fucked up. And I'm sure it's not the healthiest environment for them to be living in. But his wife ran off. His other, his oldest daughter is dead, brutally murdered. And what else can this man do? Right? Like, <laughs> sir, it's fine. And just like, he's like, oh, the seat was white with little flowers. <laughs> that breaks my fucking heart. I want to talk about this. So, Emma's hypersexualization of herself, right? We see it throughout the episode, like at the pool scene, at the party scene. Like, she's even like hypersexual, like towards Camille, which is really odd and really uncomfortable, like watching it, right? Because that's her sister. I don't know why I keep saying right. <laughs> but, Usually, usually, not always, hypersexualization comes from a place of trauma where it's just like something happened to you and now to cope, you hypersexualize yourself. But with Emma, I don't know, she said something, I believe it was this episode, she's like, oh, you know, man, you just give them what they want and then they do what you want for them, right? You just give them that little pearl in between your legs and then they'll be happy. And I'm like, man, what are you, like, 14 years old? Like, something is seriously wrong with Emma. Seriously wrong with her. So it's just, like, hard to comprehend why this little... Well, obviously, something is seriously wrong with her. This this girly pop is doing what? Oxy? What was she? X? All in one night? Girly pop, what are you trying to numb? What's happening? Please explain to me. And what's up with Ashley, like, wanting her 15 minutes of fame? I feel like I should have put that in that shit's, like, heartwarming, lighthearted segment. But it's just, like, why would you lie, right? She's like, oh, yeah, they were great girls. And they were, like, handpicked by God himself so that they could go to heaven with him. Like, what? Shut the fuck up, bitch. Like... Ashley gets on my nerves. Like, I can't. I can't with Ashley. And the fact that, where did Camille get the information about Ashley? I mean, about fucking, what's her face? Natalie Keene biting off a piece of Ashley's ear. And I'm just like, now I want to see her ear. <laughs> what was happening? Because I feel like maybe Natalie Keene was defending herself. I don't know. I have a lot of questions. Very a lot of a lot of questions. A traumatizing thing, but like pretty common. The racism in Wind Gap when Camille was growing up. Like and still, like that bitch with the fucking Confederate flag uh fucking what is it? I was gonna say crop top, no, but it's a bodysuit. Like what? what the fuck is wrong with you like imagine going to the mall and being like that is so cute that is so fucking cute i'm gonna buy it for myself what that is so psychotic to me but we we see it in the flashback scene where becca the only black cheerleader in the squad is like helping camille with her like leg which is hurt and then one of the other white bitch cheerleaders is like, oh, when you're done with her, me next. 
And obviously, like, racism was very subtle, but it's just, like, it's there. It's fucking there. And it was it was proven when uh, Camila's, like, why are you, to Becca, once after their, like, beaches night, she's like, why are you being so nice to me? We were bitches to you. Bitches. And then Becca's like, well, you weren't that bad. <laughs> I can't like Camille was probably like Camille has mentioned that she was a bitch growing up so maybe not as much as a bitch as Emma but she did do her damage you know what else did I write let me flip the page real quick um <laughs> I don't this is this is not funny well it is like Adora's like telling Alan to kick Camille out like why don't you do it bitch She's like, oh, she's overstayed her welcome. You should let her know how you feel about her staying here. And then the whole conversation between Alan and Camille. And Camille saying, and to think that I used to regret that we didn't talk more. It's, do I think Alan is a bad person? I don't know because I don't know that much about him. But I, what I do know is that when Adora was having one of her, like, emotional drama queen, like, fits, he's always shown up for Camille at the rehab center at, on family night, on her birthday. Like, him and Gayla, like, got her, a, a, like, were about to sing for her. I feel like he's tried his best with such a fucking domineering partner but he's always going to be submissive to Adora and he's always going to have her back. He's always going to have his wife's back. So I'm just like, I feel like it's fucked up and like traumatizing. Like imagine, imagine, imagine. Well, I'm going to put myself in the position. I go home for, uh, I don't know. I just go home and I don't know when I'm going to leave because I have to be home for something. And then, like, one of those days, my dad comes up to me. And he's like, mija, ¿sabes qué? Se me hace que es hora que te vayas. Like, I think it's, mija, I think it's time for you, for you to leave. <laughs> what? Like, that would never, never in a million years happen in my home, in, like, my childhood home. Never. I don't know if it's just like a white person thing. I don't know because if you remember the first episode when Camille, bur I, don't, I don't know if it was the first episode or the second episode, but one of the first episodes when Camille gets there and the door is like, oh, sweetie, you should have told me and you were coming. I don't, the house is not ready and the house looks perfectly fine. <laughs> like she was just making a fucking excuse. I can't. I really, really can't. So during the beaches like reunion with all the bitch cheerleaders except Becca, Becca, I love you. Um, I am so fucking exhausted of the whole a woman needs to experience motherhood to really know what it is to be a real woman. Like I'm so tired of that conversation. Some women don't want kids. Some women can't have kids. People. Like, your life shouldn't revolve around children, you know? And if you want kids, that's fine. But you also need to accept that not everyone wants the same thing that you want. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. 
that's literally all I have to say on the matter. And if you have any issues with that, pull the fuck up, bitch. I'll drop my location right now. Let's fight it out. Well, maybe not today because I'm feeling a little weak after being sick. But maybe some other day. Maybe some other day. I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. <sighs> Lacey's apology. Mr. Lacey's apology to Camille. Another thing that I'm so fed up with, it's just like, I have daughters now, so I have humanity. Where was your humanity when you and the rest of the freshman football team were raping Camille? Where was your fucking humanity, Lacey? Now you have to have daughters to feel bad about women and to feel scared... He, the only reason he feels bad is because he's terrified of the same thing happening to his daughters. Because he knows evil like that does exist and he partook in evil like that. But I loved Camille's reaction. She's like so chill about it, so relaxed. She's like, what are you apologizing for? From what I remember, you couldn't even get it up. You know, and he's like, oh, my God, I've been holding on to this to this like regret my whole life ever since it happened, blah, blah, blah. And then Camille being like, oh, well, I guess we both got fucked that day hmm. and her just walking away. <sighs> I love nonchalant Camille. I love her apathy, even though I know deep down she's so fucking traumatized from everything that's ever happened in her life. But I think her sexual assault took a backseat after she lost her sister. I don't know if it happened. Like, I don't know the timeline, but it just took a backseat. You know? I don't know. That's how I feel. This one, I was just like, Camille, sweetie, what are you doing, girly pop? Oriana, what are you doing here? Okay. I know your sister and her little friends junkie friends offered you a ride home and i know you had no control over where they took you but accepting drugs from your little sister like i know you're an addict but you're an alcoholic not like a peel popping addict it's just like There's a certain point when you have to be the adult and maybe your sister is going to hate you for that, but that's the right thing to do. You know, so I, I do not agree with what Camille did. Um, and going to that party and like, it's just, it's just like, it's not the responsible older sister thing to do. And as the responsible older sister myself, have I fucked up? Obviously. Obviously I fucked up. I am not perfect. But don't accept drugs from your little sister. Why is your little why are you okay with your little sister doing drugs? I just feel like Camille is enabling Emma's behavior. That's it. I said it. And the last traumatizing thing, how Marion just kept appearing to Camille. And at the end, she's telling her that she's not safe there and that she needs to get out. Ah, oh, Camille, listen to your dead sister. She's been guiding you. She's been trying to protect you. Please, I'm fucking begging you. Please, girly pop. I am begging you. 
that was the fucking longest that shit's traumatizing i've ever done but let's move on to that shit's heartwarming slash lighthearted lighthearted because we know there's not a lot of fucking heartwarming things around here i really like the whole like vickery has a routine that he follows every day and how his wife jocelyn is like be safe out there today every single day because every single day he has to be safe it's so sweet i fucking love it this one was so stupid but it just made me laugh uh when when fucking camille asked adora for cream slash lotion and, and adora's like for your scars <laughs> camille's like no for my hands <laughs> mom mom those scars are not going away sweetie but my hands are ashy as fuck go get me a fucking cream from the pharmacy thank you very much <laughs> also the fact that adora was able to tell that her daughter had sex she had like that post not glow like when camille is having cherry pie at in the kitchen when adora comes in and she's like you look different it's the first time i've seen you eat breakfast or like see you eat anything since you were here also do alcoholics not get hungry like when you're so deep into your addiction do you just like not eat or like what happens what happened i'm so intrigued um uh, but yeah that was really really fucking funny well also the for your hands but like adore just knowing like, regardless of how awful Adora is, like, she knows her daughter. She's like, mm, you've got, like, a little, like, a little, you know, what is it called? There's a saying, like, a little pip on your step. No, that's not the saying. I'm just making shit up at this point. <laughs> Jackie O'Neill, like, bringing flowers to the memorial. And she's like, oh, you know, like, I bring these flowers. I bring lilies because it looks like the flowers that children draw. And she's like commemorating the mem the lot like the girls I believe she leaves them at Natalie Keene where Natalie Keene was was found. So it's just like I think that's really sweet of her. And then um Willis offering to cook for Camille. What I mean, the whole like beginning of the episode where he's naked and looking luscious as fuck, and he's just like, Oh, I could give you like my my shirt it's like 14 years old but it's fine like if you want it or like let let me get you coffee and a bagel or and he's like no let me cook for you i'm gonna cook for you like that pussy was amazing <laughs> you know that pussy was good when the man is offering to cook for you like sir sir <laughs> i can't i cannot say how much i fucking love eileen frank curry camille's boss's wife she is so fucking sweet she's always worried about camille she's always checking up on her and she's like i just want to know how you're doing blah 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 is the case getting to you like and camille is like yeah it is but you know it is what it is and i just i love eileen curry protect her at all fucking costs at the bar when Jackie is slumped and she's all like flirting with Will when she reaches for his gun like ma'am what the fuck it is a small southern town where you could just reach for a police officer slash detective's gun and he's like 
cool about it well not cool but he was like didn't do anything you know and then her being like sir i've had my hand on your thigh for the last 15 minutes this is not turning out how i wanted it to be (laughs) not jackie being a horny drunk i love that for her i love and i wrote it down but i already talked about it the confederate flag bodysuit that is hilarious that i can't i can't and this one even though it was like really like drug like that like that drug euphoria and like when um emma and uh, camille are outside their house and they're just like twirling around and laughing this is before like camille like freaks out because he starts like twirling around with emma and then he sees all the dead girls which i should have put in that shit's traumatizing but i'm mentioning it right now but like emma's like we're soulmates and then Camille's like, we're sisters, which is basically the same thing. That was sweet. That was a sweet moment between the two sisters. And we don't get a lot of those in this show. Uh, so, yeah, that's that was my dash shit. Heartwarming slash lighthearted. Take it with a grain of salt segment. Don't do drugs. Well, I was going to say, don't do drugs with your little sister. But, like, weed is fine. Don't... Don't. <laughs> I, I I can't think of anything. Okay, yeah, it's like don't do hard drugs with your siblings. Don't be an enabler. Please, I am begging you. And I think that's it for today's episode. Oh my fucking god, it's a long one, fuck the fam. So you already know the deal. Follow the podcast on social media, on Instagram, where that show effed me up. On Twitter, where that, uh, that D-A-T show fucked me. What the fuck? Yeah, that D-A-T show fucked me up. Fucked is spelled without a U, so F-C-K-E-D. I probably got you all messed up, um, but my, my brain is going a thousand miles an hour. Um... Give the podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And if you leave a little written review, I'll give you a little kiss in the mouth. Um, And yeah, go check out all the other podcasts and pods network. Uh, and that's it. So remember, be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.